The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Our guest this half hour is Amy Shepatrick, Head of Income Strategies at Pandle Group, to talk about the latest on the markets. And Amy, I just want to start with the price action that we're seeing in Hong Kong and Shanghai at the moment uh, declines again, although fairly modest considering the situation with COVID, uh, 27,000 new cases, uh, markets adapting to this new reality. Absolutely. I think the markets are still on a high from, you know, the list of new measures announced um, by Beijing that they will be trying to lift the most stringent of the COVID measures from here forth. I also think that, you know, much much like um, how the West, you know, found different ways of opening up, Australia did it very differently to various parts of Europe um, and the US, China is finding its own way. And it's been um, termed in China as, you know, a way of crossing the river by touching the stones. So, you know, obviously having um, now deaths starting to appear and also rising um, as a consequence of these rising COVID numbers is not a good thing. But we've yet to see what that tolerance threshold for Beijing is. So, Amy, let's talk a little bit. Oh, it's Doug, by the way, in New York. Glad that you could join us on the program. Let's talk about the macro view away from COVID specifically. Give me your sense of how you're reading the mainland economy right now. You know, um, a lot's been talked about these COVID measures, but what I think has been more important is the long list of measures that have been released to direct lending more at the property space. Now, as we know, the Chinese cycle and the global economic cycle is very dependent on how the Chinese property sector does. And so far, you know, this very prolonged episode of self-inflicted pain, self-inflicted property deleveraging has really been what's been holding the Chinese economy back. But I was surprised to see that the list of stimulus measures, um, you know, targeting the lending of uh, from the banks to the property developers to either consolidate within their space, or rather to just get the money together to complete projects that have been started and have been hanging for a long time this year, is in effect another sort of property stimulus that's happening in China right now. It's different from what we've seen before. But at the same time, it probably means that for now, the low in Chinese yields for this cycle has been seen. Very quickly, um, you also have to remember that ultimately the government's going to backstop the property sector. How bad can it realistically get just in 20 seconds? (laughs) Look. The, the government hasn't been back to backstopping the property sector. Defaults have been running rampant, absolutely, and I think they're very much willing to let a lot of a lot of defaults go. Um, my twenty-second view, or my ten-second view from here on, is that the government wants consolidation in this sector, and they ultimately want to take back control of this sector because having let it be in, be in private hands for the last decade or more has reaped no good results for them. 
And uh, Amy, I mentioned a moment ago the US dollar weakening, although that is a relative term at the moment, but weakening it is. Uh, I'm just wondering what your outlook is for the greenback over the coming weeks and uh, what the implications are here for EM. Is it uh, emerging markets time to shine? Uh, great question, Paul. So I think that um, the dollar is having a bit of a respite. Obviously, we've had quite a lot of gains in the greenback so far this year. Um, but I think over the course of the next few months, you will see some more challenges to the global growth outlook. So yesterday, for example, you saw the flash exports numbers out of Korea showing that they're down once again, um, you know, disappointing versus expectations, and semiconductors uh, once again becoming a big drag. This is a really good lead indicator for the shape that the global trade cycle and the global economic cycle as a whole is going. And as we know, the dollar tends to be counter-cyclical. So it tends to rise when the economy isn't doing well and fall when the economy does. And for emerging markets, exactly as you said, Paul, when the dollar is in an uptrend, it is generally a backdrop of tightening financial conditions for emerging economies. Well, the other thing that I think we can take away from the trade data for South Korea is that the exports going to China were very disappointing. And we know that the economy there is struggling, whether it is just all about the zero COVID policy. Um, I'm sure that people across the country are feeling exceptionally fatigued by this. There's the problem with the property market. We're well aware of that. Give me your outlook for, for the credit markets on the mainland and whether we're now uh, seeing a much greater risk of, of default. Uh, so I don't think the risk of default has is going to escalate from what we've seen. In fact, 2022 has been a year of default escalation for, for Chinese credit, especially in the high-yield property sector, right? So I think in the coming months, you will continue to get the, the bad names defaulting. What I am more worried about is that the sector spread of what has been defaulting in China has started to creep a little bit broader than just property. So it remains to be seen how high Beijing's tolerance is for that because that has the potential to lead to something more systemic um, about credit onshore, just like we've seen, for example, in South Korea over the last month or so. But my outlook for um, the Chinese economy is probably a little bit two-staged from here. I think that the market is right to look forward to a lifting of zero COVID and the China, China opening up trade. But going into winter, it's unrealistic to expect them to open up massively and especially with rising COVID cases, as you're seeing now. What they're doing now is putting in place the measures that will allow them to open up more fully once the weather gets a bit warmer over there. Um, but more importantly, what I was speaking about to Paul earlier about the lifting of um, some of the really severe restrictions against the property sector, more to get the construction happening again, will be a boon to the Chinese economy um, from probably Q2 2023 onwards. So my near-term outlook is no better than it has been for the last six months. But my medium-term outlook is looking a little bit better. Just in terms of credit, we heard from the South Korean finance minister today saying you know, he's closely watching the credit market there, but doesn't see a liquidity shock. Is that your view? Um, you know, I, I think that it doesn't benefit any policymaker or regulator to really talk about there, there being the risk of uh, uh, you know, financial instability. And clearly, when um, most central bankers are still on the path of tightening, they want to dismiss as much as possible or play down as much as possible the risk of financial instability in the economy. Um, but quite frankly, I think right now, because fighting inflation is everybody's priority, um, you know, the RBA probably to a slightly lesser extent, but it is still a priority for our central bank. 
it just means that you can't really pay that much lip service to to this idea of financial instability. What I do think is that for the first time in decades, you're getting synchronized central bank tightening, and that leads to liquidity tightening Mm -hmm. globally. All right. And in terms of synchronized tightening, we'll hear from the Bank of Korea tomorrow, expected to raise rates by another 25 basis points. Amy Shee-Patrick, Head of Income Strategies at Pandal Group, thanks so much for joining us. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way from design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.